The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and newborn Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, after that rousing hymn, it will perhaps not come as a huge surprise to you that I am focusing my attention this evening on uh, the importance and significance of music at this time of year. And uh, while I'm mentioning music, how about a big hand for our wonderful musicians? I actually don't think I need, and thank you again for the gift of your music. Uh, I don't think I need to uh, work particularly hard to convince you of the importance, the significance, the uh, central uh, significance of music at this time of year. I, I think I can make the point by asking a simple question, which is, can you imagine Christmas without music? That's what I thought. I, I actually can't. I cannot imagine this season 
without music. And we could talk about that in a lot of ways. We could talk about uh, the actual music we hear throughout the season, the notes, the tunes, as sort of the soundtrack to the season. Uh, we could also talk for a long time about the lyrics, the poetry that informs especially the sacred music that we sing in a place like this, the hymns and the carols, which actually do a great job of teaching us about theology and helping us to, I'll call it, apprehend the great mystery we celebrate tonight, which is that the maker of the entire world, in some strange way, entered into God's creation as a creature, right? I think music helps us to apprehend and see and glimpse that truth sometimes better than words themselves. So we could talk about, again, the music, we could talk about the lyrics. Tonight, though, I want to suggest that we can also learn something about this time of year, in part by thinking about the stories of some of the songs we sing. And tonight I'm actually thinking of a specific song. Uh, the song is O Little Town of Bethlehem. If you've looked ahead in your bulletin, you will know that we're going to sing it in a bit. And we're not just going to sing it, I mean, it'll be the same tune, but we're sing it, singing it tonight for the first time uh, in a brand new arrangement commissioned by St. Philip the Deacon for today's worship service. It was commissioned by the church by a gentleman named Robert Farley, who is a local Twin Cities musician. And it's a chance for us at St. Philip the Deacon to celebrate the incredible gift of music, which is such an important part of our life together, and to pass that gift on. Uh, and I hope congregations and churches will use this arrangement for many, many, many years. So it will not surprise you, perhaps, that I've been reflecting and thinking about this particular carol, this particular hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem. It probably has a lot of uh, lessons it can teach us. I just want to tease out one uh, significant and important one related to the way that God comes to us and what God asks of us. And I'm gonna get at that by talking a little bit about the, the, the gentleman um, who is responsible for the hymn. The primary individual responsible for the hymn is a gentleman named Phillips Brooks. He was an Episcopal minister who lived in the mid to late part of the 1800s. He wrote the words, he's the person who sort of initiated the hymn. Uh, a colleague of his, a gentleman named Louis Redner, the organist at the church he served um, and the director of the Sunday School, wrote the music. So they're responsible for it. It was written in 1868. Um, and again, I, I don't have time to tell you the whole story of Phillips Brooks or his whole biography, but I'll make a few broad sketches to sort of make the point. Uh, again, he was an Episcopal priest. He grew up in Boston. He went to Harvard. Uh, he served two parishes in Philadelphia, another parish in Boston. And then uh, at the end of his career, he actually died while he was the bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Massachusetts. And to give you a sense of the kind of person that Phillips Brooks was and how respected he was, um, in 1865, which of course was the year that Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, Phillips Brooks was still a relatively young pastor, priest in, in Philadelphia. You may recall uh, Lincoln's funeral was held in Washington and then they placed his body on a train and took it to a number of different towns. Um, 
where he lay in state on his way to Springfield, Illinois, where he's buried. Uh, so when the train came to Philadelphia, they moved uh, Abraham Lincoln's body to Independence Hall in Philadelphia. Phillips Brooks, at that time, had just come to Philadelphia not many years before. He was still a young pastor. He wasn't even 30 years old. He was 29 years old. And he was one of the people they invited to come and talk uh, at an event honoring Abraham Lincoln. That speech that he gave turned into a sermon. He delivered the sermon the next day. That sermon, in turn, was published and spread around the country. So that's one example of the kind of person he was. Another is that he knew Helen Keller actually very well. And actually, uh, he's credited with introducing Keller to Christianity and also uh, credited to introducing Ann Sullivan, uh, Keller's teacher, uh, for her whole life to Keller. Keller loved Phillips Brooks so much that when Keller's parents had a, another child, a, a little boy uh, younger than Helen, she insisted that they name him, her little brother, after Phillips Brooks. So you can look him up. That, Keller's brother was named, named Phillips Brooks Keller. There were collections of his sermons that were printed. He received honorary degrees during his lifetime from Harvard, from uh, Columbia, and from Oxford. And to this day, there's a house at Harvard focused on social services that bears his name. He was, not to put too fine a point on it, a big deal. And when he died, contemporary accounts say they buried him like a king and everyone recognized that they had lost a great man. And you know what they talked about at his funeral? They talked about his achievements, his accomplishments, his accolades, which is appropriate. He had many. Do you know what they didn't talk about? A visit he made to Bethlehem in 1865. We're told he rode on a horse and he worshiped there on Christmas Eve in Bethlehem. In 1865, they didn't talk about that, nor did they talk about the fact that after a few years of sitting with that memory, recollecting that visit, he felt moved to write the, the words to O Little Town of Bethlehem. It was for a children's event at their church, by the way. Uh, it was going to be held on a, the Sunday after Christmas. Uh, he gave the words to Lewis Redner, the uh, organist and director of the Sunday school, who, if I understand the chronology is right, and I've looked hard at this, I think Redner was struggling with the tune. He ended up writing it on Saturday night. He harmonized it on Sunday morning, and they used it for the program that Sunday, right? Unbelievable. And by the way, neither of them Neither uh, Brooks nor Redner thought this hymn or carol would ever be used again. And yet, and this is the part that brings us to, I think, teasing out a truth about God. 130 years after his death, today, if you look up Phillips Brooks, inevitably, in the first or second sentence, what will you see there? not his achievements, not his accomplishments, not his accolades, the ones they talked about at his funeral, you will see something about the fact that he is best known for writing the words to O Little Town of Bethlehem, which suggests to me in the grand sweep of history, it is not always the big thing, the achievement, the accomplishment, the accolade that matters. Sometimes it is the gentle thing, the quiet thing, the unexpected thing, which of course God himself 
teaches us at this time of year, again, this great mystery when the creator of the entire universe comes into God's creation. He doesn't come loudly, boisterously. He doesn't come demanding. How does he come? As a little baby who simply knocks on each of our, the door of our, our hearts and says, can I come in? Brooks himself tells us these, or underscores this point beautifully uh, with his own words. This is from verse three of the, the, the carol. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin where meek souls will receive him, still, still, the dear Christ enters in. And on this Christmas Eve, Christ asks again to enter our hearts and make no mistake. Yes, Christ comes gently and quietly and softly and tenderly, but Christ comes with power. The power to transform and change you so that through you, God can change and transform the world. Will you pray with me? O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. And all God's people say, Amen.